This is JFM Podcast. A very good evening to you and welcome to the program Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 here in Jaws. My name is Ponsak Fanab. It's a beautiful Thursday evening. Today is 27th of July 2023. Gilbert Joseph is here. Good evening. How's your day? How's the going? I had an interesting day. Relatively quiet. Um, it's one I can connect with, especially when I put it side by side with how yours went, Ponsak. Yeah. Just say we slept in the office. <laughs> There's no... There's no, there's no two ways about <laughs> no, it. No, I'm fast through. All right, so that's how it's been, really. You know, since when I was a kid, I'm. I love, you know, I get restless if I stay one place. I don't like staying put. Uh, so the activity we had in the office today, you know, I thought that okay, I was gonna go out and come back. Then I thought about fuel course. <laughs> I just, you know, snapped my head. I said, "Don't allow the devil to use you." <laughs> You know, that is how I resist the temptation. And, of course, it came with a late afternoon slump, you know. A real, uh, it's not a siesta, but just slump. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, the much-awaited ministerial list, commissioner list, is out. Uh, I mean, Gilbert, what I expect, 28 ministers Mm -hmm. in Tinnabu's. I know that he's going to appoint more ministers, you know, as time. This is just like the interim uh, list. And in Plato... Uh, 17 commissioners. You know, Governor Lalong uh, increased the number of commissioners from seven, we used to have 17 and then under his term, uh, term we had 23. Yeah, 23 uh, during Lalong. Uh, he met 17 but he uh, increased it to 23 commissioners. Uh, but Mutfang is sticking with the 17 commissioners, one per local government. And in Plato, my friend, is a commissioner. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell Musa Ashamus to give me an office, office of the friend to the honorable commissioner. You know, that is, I don't know his portfolio yet, but uh, he's going to give me uh, that office. Congratulations to you, Musa Ashams. Uh I mean, it's well-deserved. When I saw the name, I said, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's well-deserved. Uh, he has uh, done his own beat. Uh, he has uh, paid the dues, and I think it's, it's now time for him to serve. True. To serve, you know, Plato State and serve uh, Nigeria as well. True. Being on the other side, it means that he and the other commissioner nominees understand the expectations of the people. And from what you've spoken just about the number of those commissioners, um, smacks one like the governor is willing to reduce on the cost of governance mm-hmm. from 23 or 28 like you mentioned yeah. to 17 again reverting to status quo means um, he's, he has understood that look resources are hard to come by and you have to spend a lot to maintain all of those offices that were hitherto created you know so if it's going to help if it's going to deliver the goods it will help everyone and this is what we're all after um, well I, I have to just speak about the ministerial list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we have prided, should I call this prided? No. We have praised the president, you know, for his ability to smuggle out eggheads from mm-hmm. wherever to serve. But I think this list of the ministers is one he, he just didn't help but hit below the belt. Because you are not impressed. I, yes, I'm not impressed. But you know the likes of Wiki or Erufai or who? 
many of the names on that list, El Rufai, Dave Umahi, these are guys that you're, you're well familiar with. These are names that ring a bell, you know. So largely, we thought it was the same thing, I mean, with President Muhammad Dubari. It took six months to come up with his list. We all expected that, look, it was going to be something spectacular. People who weren't in the political terrain weren't going to get a mention, and they did. It's the same thing now. Dele Alake, Latif Agbemi. Of course, you understand his role as far as um, judicial cases and their handlings are concerned. So these are, I mean, well, I let's, perhaps they will change in the twinkle of an eye, but it's six over ten. I mean, four over six. Yeah. Well, four over ten, rather. Well, let me make these uh, remarks, Gilbert. Yeah. Governance is not a call to sainthood, number one. Number two, if these people, these characters that you've mentioned will obey our constitution, that is the only thing that binds us. And if they are going to follow the rule of law, and if there's going to be justice, then I don't care, you know, who serves. Have you they can, obeyed the rule of law in the past? Well, let's see what Tinubu will do. If All he's right. going to uphold the rule of law, because that is one of the hallmarks of any democratic society, that nobody is above the law. Uh, so we just, that is me, because... In Nigeria, there's a mentality, you know, that the people who are outside government are just waiting to get into government and get what they want to get for themselves, Mm -hmm. not necessarily being altruistic or wanting to serve, you know. So if he's going to, if they are going to play by the rules, I don't have a problem with that. And if their ideas is going to be beneficial, you know, to birth uh, the renewed hope of President Tinubu, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, But, you know, and if Tinubu likes, he can bring... uh, Former President Osibanjo or former Vice President, uh, former uh, President uh, Obasanjo mm-hmm. or former Vice President Osiban. You know, I don't care uh, because anybody who you you bring, you know, into any office in Nigeria, the first thing is how can I get for my family, uh, get you know for my children, and, you, know, you know. So for me. You should be altruistic. Well, if they will serve, I don't judge them. If they are going to play by the rules, fantastic. You know, they should serve. They are Nigerians. They are eminently qualified true, as well. Yeah. True, eminently qualified. But looking at their recent history, do you get And this is a man that has consistently said, and by the way, his son, Sheikh Tinubu, came out to say, Nigerians should bank on his dad. His dad is never going to fail Nigerians. If we're seeing this repeated cycle of individuals that have been in government with little or nothing for some of them to show for, agreed, as human beings, we might have our excesses here or there. But I think that injecting fresh individuals means you can hold them accountable. These people aren't those who helps you to come to power. But if you look at that list, there are guys that have played major roles mm. so in the, the course of it. The question, Gilbert, is yeah. how are you going to bl- uh, balance pat- uh, patronage? with, you know, selecting people who just want to serve. Because patronage in politics, I mean, in life is something that is, uh, I mean, you can't take it away. True. If someone helps you to achieve something, you're always... You've got like, to pay back. Of course, gratitude. Scratch my back, I scratch your back. So how can you balance, you know, uh, patronage and people who truly... Even if they don't, uh, didn't make any dime, you know, they just want... How will you balance that? You can put them at the back foot. It means that government is large. Everybody can be a part of it. Mm. But the key areas, those key offices shouldn't be for patronage. I think that's the point that basically I'm trying to make here. Okay. Um, offices are significant. And, and by the way, Dave Umahi is now a, com- um, a senator. I wonder if he's willing or if he was consulted, you know, to relinquish that position and come to serve in the cabinet proper. I don't know how he's going to handle that. But if... As if offices are significant as the offices of these ministers, 
can be occupied by these individuals. It means that the best hands are eventually going to take the back foot. Oh. That's my worry. Instead of coming on the front row to contribute, to have their voices heard. For instance, if someone is serving under a minister, how well do you think his voice will be listened to, regardless of the quality he brings to the table? Mm. So these are my worries. Well, if I was Aerofire, I wouldn't take a minister. I thought as much. I, I thought just, as much. I mean, there should be globally, you know, they, look at Amina J. Muhammad. You know, that woman, woman from Gombe. She, she shot international, yeah? Yeah. So look at uh, Ngozi Okonjo Iwela. Nigerian man, Ali Pate resigned a job, you know, international with Bill Gates, <laughs> just to come and become minister in Nigeria. <laughs> but look at the Nigerian woman, you know, that we're proud of. Uh, look at the value that they are bringing, you know, to the world stage. Well, I don't know how, you know, I, I always say that I have a small mind. But let's list the, let's uh, just, let me read out the names of commissioners from Plato. Mr. Peter L. Gom, Barikin Ladi, Honorable Sule Musa Haruna Basa, Ad- Adams Bulus Lekshak uh, Bokos, Honorable Musa Ibrahim Ashams Just East, Peter Nyam Guy Just North, Mr. Jato Davo Gyang Just South, Mr. Bugama Samson Ishaku Kanke, Honorable Ephraim Usman Kanam, Honorable Joshua Lavan Ubandoma Langtang North, Associate Professor Albert Gosele Nanju Langtang South, uh, Mrs. Caroline Pangyang, okay, Mikang, Mrs. Donkum Grace Schwarta uh, Pangshin, Mr. Chrysanthus Dawam Kwanpan, Dr. Mrs. Kachalom Pam, uh, Piam Gang, Piam Gang Ryom, Honorable Noel Namiab Unkup Shandam, uh, Mr. Nyalung M. Salibu Wase. Let's play this insert. Laulo Akande, former spokesperson of the uh, vice president, Oshibanjo, is saying that northern governors, former northern governors, had heavy influence on the ministerial list as published today or as announced today by uh, the president of the Senate. When we come back, this whole issue of anthrax is going to be unraveled, you know, today. And lots of others who know take, you know, disease are uh, going to have conversation around the area. When we come back, the show will continue. Stay here. We must understand that uh, since 1999, uh, uh, President Buda Ametinubu is the first real politician uh, that has become president. Well, you know, maybe also uh, President Jonathan, mm-hmm. you know, but for somebody who actually has to start his whole uh, right from the beginning, not as a vice president, uh, you've had uh, uh, General uh, Chief Roger Gompasanjo, a former uh, military uh, head of state. You know, you've had, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, President Buhari also, yeah. you know. So you also had Jared Dua and Jonathan, mm-hmm. you know, uh, essentially also politicians. This is the first time you're having a, a consumed yeah. and end-to-end politician, a consumed politician, somebody who has also been in the game for as long as 1992. So he carries quite a lot of people along with him. And I'm not surprised that it's got a little bit of challenge uh, trying to nip this in the bud. But if you look at his pedigree, you know, uh, one of the things that you can take away from him is his ability uh, to be able to compose uh, uh, a very good team. You know, if you look at what he did in, in, in Lagos. So uh, I, I see that there, there, there has been or there has been uh, a very intense pressure from political forces, from political interests, you know, all across the country. Uh, and he's also trying to balance it with uh, uh, putting people that he believes as the, as the, as the real capacity. So, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's been interesting, but not quite so, so surprising that it's taking him this way. Well, what I think is a good thing that now you have 
a law that's, that gives a limit. I think that is, that, that is what is most important in these uh, circumstances. Of course, we know what happened in 2015 uh, when uh, former President Buhari came and took uh, that long. Now, uh, people have felt that, look, I mean, there's public interest involved here. You can't have this much time. So that is very helpful, you know, uh, that, there's a, that, that, that there's a constraint. Uh, but it also goes to the point that, look, it's, 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 it's not always an easy thing to do. Um, now, it, it, it also has a, a, a connotation for how decisive you can be, you know, to say that, look, this is what I'm going to do. Now, he has shown that, you know, uh, in, the, in the issue of the subsidy, you know, that, that ability to say, look, look, let's just call this thing right now. We don't have to do this, so let me start off dealing with it. So that shows a little bit of uh, somebody that is decisive, uh, whichever way you look at it, up or down. Uh, but the issue of the selection of the cabinet uh, is, 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 uh, is as decisive. You, you would also wish that it could be as assertive on that. But there are a lot of political interests, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that, uh, that, that, that the governors of the APC, especially the Northern governors, who were able to stand for the right thing when uh, we were almost at the verge of tweaking the zoning balance. Yeah. Remember what happened when uh, the former chairman of the party uh, went to announce a candidate. The governors of the APC, especially those in the North, were able to stand up and say, hey, no, 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 it's time to go to the South which is a very commendable thing that we must also say. So you imagine that people like that, we also have tremendous uh, influence in what is going to happen. Now, we know that the president also is interested in putting some very important uh, uh, technocratic uh, capacity on the table to be able to deal with the problem mm -hmm. of the country. Yeah. So, so I see uh, a, a kind of balancing act. Uh, and like I said, at least now the law says, look, whatever you want to do, take 60 days. So tomorrow... Uh, well, I, I think there are two important issues here. And the first thing is that uh, the, the National Social Register, as a matter of fact, is not uh, a property of the federal We're glad you're still here. The program is Nigeria at Sunset. My name is Ponsak Fanap. And my name is Gilbert Joseph. Well, uh, like I said, 16 uh, commissioner lives in Plato. Mongo local government has the commissioner for justice, Barrister Philemon Daffy, so making 17. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a guest. Uh, like I said, have you wondered, you know, what is anthrax? Uh, I think it was Nambol, uh, Honorable Nambolistic that helped me to understand some of the zoonotic, you know, that I went into reading, uh, doing my small, small research to uh, better understand the issues. This evening, we have a guest. We have the executive director of the National Veterinary Research Institute, NVRI form, Dr. Maria Mohammed. Good evening. Thank you very much for coming, doctor. Thank you for having me. Good evening. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you. Uh, first, let me, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, anthrax uh, disease. Um, how does it make you feel that we keep having the outbreak of zoonotic disease, you know, uh, in our country? You know, bird flu, swine flu, anthrax, and what again, you know, lots of, you know, the, how does it make you feel? Is it that we're not doing enough or we don't know how to better protect and take care of ourselves or how does it make you feel as a doctor? Well, it, it doesn't make me feel happy. However, um, it can be explained. Within the context of climate change, 
you would understand because um, ecosystems are changing. You now have diseases that um, were under control. They are now coming back and they are referred to as re-emerging diseases. You also have brand new ones that um, have um, broken barriers, have gone beyond the continents where they were hitherto known to be endemic. Um, so it, it, it just gives a lot of um, work for, for frontline um, workers and health workers around the world to be on their toes and to understand that um, even if we think that diseases are endemic to certain continents, like you would say in Africa, that they are breaking barriers, they are moving around the world and um, giving people sleepless nights. Okay. So uh, what is anthrax disease, basically? Anthrax is a bacterial infection that affects mainly, mainly cloven-footed animals. And those are the animals... Well, doctor, we're, we're yes, not in a classroom. I, <laughs> I will explain what Thank you, mean. thank you, thank you. So it, it affects cattle, okay. sheep, mm-hmm. goats, camels, horses. And if you look at the list, most of these animals are food animals mm-hmm. and the the anthrax the 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 organism that causes an anthrax actually lives with us but it lives um, deep in the soil and it encapsulates itself in a sort of jacket and it protects itself so that um, you don't destroy it easily mm-hmm. So because it is at the bot uh, at the um inside deep inside the soil um we don't get to have infections from it until certain things happen. And one of the things that happens is if you have flooding as oh. we have had um this year and in the last few years. Yeah. So when there is a flood the top soil is washed away washed by away. water. And so those pores that are below ground level, deep inside the soil, come up. And because everywhere is wet, there's a lot of dampness. Mm. They now have air circulating where they are staying. That is the anthrax pores. Mm. They shed these um, coats that they have the protected one, yeah. themselves in. Mm. They become what is referred to as vegetative. And they sit around with um, vegetation. And we have our livestock feed on plush grass. They eat it, and then they become infected with anthrax. That's the cattle. Cattle, sheep, goats, camel, horses. Okay. So you, you talked about because of changing in the ecosystem, climate change, and you brought, you know, uh, flooding, which uh, is something that I'm, I have particular interest in. But how about response? You know, response from experts like you. As a journalist, I kind of feel it's a bit slow. Is it that, you know, the procedures, there's bureaucracy in the uh, system or what exactly is happening? Because uh, before you get help, you find that uh, people are uh, dead already, you know, and then they'll just for us to hear that, okay, it's anthrax. So response is not slow, but of course, um, we work in the background. We're not journalists. <laughs> yes. So, 
So we don't come out in the air every mm. day and say this is what we're doing. Mm. Um, earlier this year, when we we heard of a first outbreak of anthrax in Mali, yeah, we started putting processes in place because we also know that in the last three or four years we have had flooding in Nigeria mm. and that it was possible it will happen again this year. So we put actions in place that we will roll out immediately. There's the first outbreak. And that is what we have, we have done currently. There is a response in place. And because anthrax is a zoonosis, there is um, an emergency control center which is in the Federal Ministry of Agriculture, but it is made up of a um, multi-sectoral group of people, um, MVRI being one, the Department of Veterinary Services being another, the um, NCDC is another, the Ministry of Environment is also there, and the emergency response teams around flooding that I have mentioned are also part of this um, EOC. And so many things have been put in place, but like I said, unless we have an opportunity like this one to um, publicize it, people probably do not know yeah, what's what going, is in the background yeah. and what is going on. Let me ask you a question. Uh, last was it yesterday, Gilbert? Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, I was you know saying that Western you, the Western world have more pets in their homes than they have roaming, you know, like we have here. But you don't get to hear the outbreak of any zoonotic disease, you know, that is life-threatening that much and f that has frequency of, you know, occurrence that we have here. What is really the problem? Yes, okay, like I mentioned, climate change is one. Mm -hmm. The second one is our system of farming. Some people have five goats, ten sheep, one cow, okay? They're not crawled in one place. In, in the Europe that you have mentioned... Um, livestock farming is is on a commercial. It's in fact on a, a very large scale. Mm -hmm. So you have lives. You don't see them crossing the road. You don't see small holder farmers. Mm -hmm. you, you might get a few, but usually their animals are crawled and kept in one place. Mm -hmm. They don't move around. So disease spread is a little bit more contained. Oh. And then they also have data. They are able to say, this is the location of this farm, this is the size of the farm, this is what we are doing. In our case, every homestead has one, animal, one type of animal or the other. By the way, there's a beauty to that. There's a disadvantage, but there's also... What is the, let's talk about the beauty and then the um, yeah, disadvantage. Uh, right. Um, if, you, if you listen to the news in Western Europe now, you hear people talking about organic farming yeah. and looking for organically grown food, um, milk that has not been um, grown with um, hormones. Yeah. In our own case, the reverse is, is, is the case. Most of our livestock are grown on organically. And so they so eat natural food. They eat natural food. Not processed. Right. It's not that highly processed, mm -hmm. even though processing gives you the advantage of scale. Okay. So, disease spread is because of the, the system of farming that we have. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not for um, want of um, uh, effort. But the fact is, because of the system, 
the, the spread of diseases also along those um, um, lines. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Gilbert. All right. I was going to talk about, uh, have you talk about, you know, our soil types mm-hmm. and how well they accommodate anthrax. Mm-hmm. But I think you have touched a bit more on that, even though you can still expand further mm-hmm. if you'd like. However, the foremost thing I want for you to help us understand is how humans get to contract or contact anthrax disease in essence because we're the ones who are affected and how people can take care of themselves to avoid you know coming in contact with that disease because one of the ways based on what i've found out is that we can even breathe terrible air and they come in contact with anthrax so maybe you would speak on that okay so anthrax is a zoonosis. That means it is um, shared between animals and humans. And as like like you ha- um, rightly said, sometimes people can um, take it in, breathe it in, and then they have um, what is called um, the, the the systemic um, anthrax. However, just just to um, assuage the fears of the public, ninety five percent of cases of human anthrax are on the skin and they are easy to treat okay cutaneous anthrax is what it is called and 95% of cases are what you have so it's on your skin you can actually look at it and doctors can treat you with antibiotics and you can actually see your skin coming back and being healed the 5% of the cases are the ones that are deadly and they occur mostly as um, occupational hazard, either to farmers, butchers, veterinarians like myself, laboratory workers who are handling the highly pathogenic organism. So for example, you go um, to an abattoir and there's uh, an animal that has um, anthrax and it was not detected. So it is slaughtered. Once it is slaughtered, the blood is free-flowing. It doesn't clot. And you have a butcher who has a slight cut on his hand. It goes in the vegetative form of the organism goes into his, his skin, and then it begins to move and becomes, uh, enters into the blood circulation. That's um, where you have the, the, the major problem. Or laboratory workers that are trying to work on it like we're working on on anthrax in vom now trying to get either positive confirmation or negative um, we have to be careful we have to wear respirators we have to wear ppes to make sure that people do not get um contract the disease and sometimes you also have people who are processing leather after you have slaughtered the animal inadvertently if you open up um a cow that has died from anthrax, like I said, the spores will come out. Immediately the, the, it becomes spored. It protects itself. It has this thick coat that it forms around itself. And it goes into the blood system. But it's only in 5% of cases. And so what we say is that if an animal dies suddenly, you wake up in the morning, you saw your cow grazing or your um, goat grazing, and you come back in two hours' time, that animal is dead. Best not to open it. There's a system how you can um, decontaminate and make sure that that animal is properly 
disposed of so that you do not expose yourself to, to anthrax. So really, the, the, the group of population that is um, open to this disease as a hazard are those who are always in close contact um, with animals. So I just want to assuage the fear of the general public that um, it is not something, even though you can pick it up in the air, you have to be in very close contact with an animal that has anthrax. Well, on that front, you've spoken about, obviously, it, has to, it takes a lot of literacy level from farmers of animals, you know, to understand that you have to cloth a dead animal carefully before and all of that. How literate are farmers of animals? And for your part, as, as veterinarians, what are you doing? What is the rate of literacy level and the efforts you are injecting to see that it's on the high side? And then secondly, the issue of vaccination. Um, is it true? The animals can be vaccinated against this. And how accessible is it? How front-coming are some of these animal farmers in terms of getting vaccines for the animals? Okay. Um, so sometimes we underestimate our farmers, but they really are very, very smart. They are the first to recognize when their animals are sick. So it is just to explain to them what steps they need to take, particularly if they notice that um, blood is coming out of the nose or the eye or the anus of an animal, or that they fed the animal overnight and they woke up in the morning and they found it dead. Um, so that is that. It, the, the disease detection does not have much as much to do with literacy as we tend to think. It is easy for somebody who has raised an animal to know when that animal is sick because even from the behavior, it's easy for them to understand that this animal is not, um, in, good shape. Is not in good shape. So a, a disease recognition is just to let them know. If you notice that your animal is sick, these are the steps you should take. Um, what we, we like to advise um, is not just to have programs like this in English, but to also have it in our local languages because the farmers actually know when the animals are sick. That's, that, that's, um, that's a given. Yeah, issue of vaccine? Yes. So the issue of vaccination, um, MVRI has um, a vaccine against anthrax. It's called the anthrax spore vaccine, and we produce it on a large scale. We currently, uh, since we, in, we heard about the first outbreak, as I mentioned, in, in another part of West Africa, we have had a stockpile. Um, currently, right now, we have um, distributed about 100 million, uh, sorry, 1 million doses, especially to the two states where the outbreak has been confirmed. That is um, Suleja in Niger, Niger State and in Lagos. Those are the two states where we have confirmed the anthrax case and we have mobilized and um, sent anthrax, um, vax, anthrax spore vaccine to them. And they are doing what is um, referred to as a risk-based vaccination. So what you do is you vaccinate animals that are around that farm where um, we had the first case. So for sure we don't have anthrax in Plateau State? Well, the, the, the um, cases that were sent to us turned out negative. But we cannot say we do not have anthrax in Plateau State. But those two cases that were sent were negative for anthrax. So uh, how about uh, some of the safety precautions? Right. Uh, because I heard on the news that uh, you shouldn't eat suya, you shouldn't you know, eat some certain meat <laughs> and things like that. I was particularly worried because I, I love to eat suya. 
So anytime I, I go to buy out something will just pack in my head that anthrax then i'll say no 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 let me resist the temptation it just yeah is what oh. i would say okay <laughs> the most important thing is dead animals should not be processed oh okay that's one sick animals should not be slaughtered for market mm-hmm. and vaccination should be done on an annual basis this is where our farmers are falling they need to vaccinate their animals on an annual basis. Hmm. If they do that, even when we have the flooding and the climate change hmm. and um, the anthrax coming up, we are not likely to have outbreaks because the animals would have been vaccinated and protected against the disease. Hmm. All right. Skin ulcer, is that, um, I mean, is that something it causes yes. just before we move on? Yes. Okay. It's, it's called cutaneous ulcer. It's on, on the skin. And mostly you will find is somebody who has processed um, an animal with anthrax. And then because he has a cut or something on the hand, he now begins to see an ulcer that is growing. But like I said, that is easy to treat. Okay. Well, let's open the phone lines in case you're just uh, tuning in. We've been having a chat with uh, the Executive Director of the National Veterinary Research Institute, NVRI VOM, Dr. Mariam Mohammed. And we're talking about anthrax, all that you need to know uh, about anthrax. We'd like you to join the conversation, 0812187-7777, or you call 09055 Six 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 nine nine, or drop your comments on Facebook at JFM Live and on Twitter at JFM Joss. Don't forget before you call, turn down the volume of your radio, or you turn it off completely, and then you tell us your name and where you are calling from. That is very important for you to do. Well, maybe Gilbert, you start uh, with the comment. All right, um, on Facebook. Let me see because we're actually live streaming and. It's a whole lot of activities here. Palm Ishaya Luka says, the reason why diseases that have been totally eradicated in other parts of the world for decades keep resurfacing in this part of the world. Um, and that's as a result, okay, that's as a result of the deterioration and poor state of our health system. The government is not paying any attention to the health needs and well-being of the citizens. You go to hospitals, there are no facilities due to poor funding and the health workers embark on incessant strikes now and then and so many other issues like that um, that have put our health sector in the state of total comatose. We are just living in a very dangerous and hazardous environment. In fact, the environment is not habitable. Awal Rabiu Bataya says, the apathy of people to prevention and vaccination is the major factor that causes and triggers all these diseases mostly in the rural areas. May the concerned authorities and agencies continue to educate people on how to prevent themselves and society as a whole. Felkuka Factors go on, says, seriously, there is a need for more enlightenment about the disease and its preventive methods. Moses Daniel says, preventive measures should be taken before this disease spreads all over. We pray it should not be terrible like COVID-19 where people suffered and lost their lives. Comrade Daos Longa says, more awareness needs to be done on the outbreak of anthrax disease, most especially to the people in the rural areas. We hope it also works well for the interest of the common man with the ministerial list that just came out today. In Plateau State, we are still confident that the governor um, will deliver Plateau State to the next level. All we need is to pray for him. 
Lee Rujon says, everyone in the house, one of the, good evening, one of the preventive habits we should adopt is by watch, watching out not to eat meat that we don't know the source of. Isang Asi says, you guys are doing a great job. God bless you all. May God help us throughout this season. Moses Jeremiah says, the habits I developed that will prevent me from contacting the disease is that I don't eat meat um, that is not prepared by my family because I must eat meat. But what is the origin of the meat? Okay, okay the origin of the disease. Yeah. All right. Well, he said he must eat meat. <laughs> 0812187777. Let's take the first call. Hello and good evening. Well, good evening, sir. Thank you for calling. Thank you very much. This is Adele from Boston. Well, listening. Thanks for calling. Thank you. I'll do it again. You see, my question is this. The answer is either maybe what way is the best way that to, to, to see somebody, an animal that has answer. Is the use of hand-glove face mask too important in the aspect of the answer? Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Sir. Okay. Then again, this former, uh, okay. What can your guest say about it? Because what is the, because we had that Momo is not nutritious. People just eat it. So I don't know what is the economic value of it in human body so that people can know that even eating the Momo is of no use. Is it good to take Momo or is it bad? Thank you. Thank you and God bless. Thank you. Just uh, hold on. She's going to answer the question. Hello and good evening. Good evening, Pastor. Thank you for calling. Tell us your name and join the conversation, please. Go ahead, sir. See, I have a question to the guest. Please go ahead. Ask, ask your question. Are you speaking? Yeah. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Do they have any program on ground? In as far as the method we use in rearing cattle are concerned, we are going into. Um, uh, this uh, modern way of rearing. Do they have any program and field workers that goes right to the Kadurian and Mariadas to be educating them on the way of modernizing their way of uh, rearing their cows so that if it becomes, uh, if it becomes profitable, they will choose to eat in the future way to come. And secondly, I'm, I want to ask her a question. If we that travel deep into the forest, mm-hmm. you may get to a situation whereby you have no any other water to drink or any other thing apart from the same water you drink with those animals. What will you do in that situation? Is there any effective on it for you drinking that same water those animals drink? Thank you. That is a great question. Doctor, please, I would like for you to uh, just answer this two uh, great question before we proceed. Okay, uh, yes, I think those are um, very good questions. If you are handling your animals, it's good to have um, gloves and protective coverings, especially now that we know that um, there's an outbreak of of anthrax. Mm. You protect yourself, but also by the time you finish um, taking care of your animals, you make sure that those hand gloves and other protective protective um, wares are disposed of properly. Sometimes we have a tendency to forget and we just throw all those um, protective wares in an open bin. 
we need to um, be mindful of that because if the animal happens to have anthrax or indeed any other disease, um, that is one way of um, spreading it. Now, the the issue of Pomo, I think, I think has been um, thrashed very um, well, but maybe what we need to say, the people that are processing the Pomo are the people that are in danger. Um, because once it is processed, it has been um, roasted, um, the person who is going to be eating it is no longer in danger. If it had spores or any other organism, they would have been killed during processing. So it is the person who is processing, usually the woman um, who is cutting off the meat or the butcher who is um, flaying the, the animal uh, at the abattoir. Those are the people that are in the front line of um, getting infected. So again, what we would like to emphasize is if an animal is dead, don't eat it. Mm -hmm. Don't open it dispose of it properly we will come we will talk a little bit about how to dispose of dead animals and if you have opened up an animal that is sick and later you find out that it may have had anthrax you need to have medical care um, anthrax could uh, has an incubation period of up to 20 days, three weeks. Okay. Right. So, um, not again to, to, to cause any panic amongst the, the population. But if an animal is sick, please don't slaughter it. Look for veterinary um, support so that you, the animal can be treated and you wait for it to get well and recover before you slaughter it for food. If an animal is dead, you do not need to ask what that animal died from. Dispose of it properly. Now, there are two ways. I don't know if we can just quickly talk about Please go that. ahead. Go ahead. There are two, two, two main ways in which you can dispose of an animal that has died suddenly. You dig a pit. You cover that animal with plastic. You pour, I know diesel is expensive, petrol is expensive, mm. um, kerosene is also expensive. If you, but just a little, some, an accelerant that will make um, the burning fast. Faster. Right. So you set that um, animal on fire and make sure that the fire is raging, a real bonfire. Everybody moves away from there until the whole of that animal is burnt completely. And then you can pour sand on it and cover it. You also mark that area so that no farming takes place around the area. Around the area because if it's anthrax, you will be digging up the spores and bringing it to the surface, oh. just like flooding would have done. Oh. So you leave that area for some years and not touch it either for farming or to dig it up. Mm. So if it is anywhere close to um, a dwelling, make sure that you mark it and you say, please, when you are farming, don't avoid, uh, avoid, avoid this area so that you don't dig up um, the spores. In some cases, what if, for example, a large animal like a cow, you can dig, you have to dig deep, but you should not dig in such a way that you touch the water table because you do not want also the spores to percolate In the water table. into the water table. So we say three meters, and then you push the animal inside, pour, like we said, 
make sure there's somebody who's um, um, supervising mm. for an accelerant and then cover you you can so you can if you can get this thick large plastics you cover you tie the animal up inside the plastic mm. and then you push it into the hole mm. and cover it up with the soil again you mark that burial site so that nobody goes there to dig it up especially other animals and then you leave that um, particular um, burial site and not farm it for a few years mm. so that you don't dig up um, the soil. So the last question he was saying that I think he's a cattle uh, rarer is saying if he goes to the bush Forest, with his animals yeah. you know no uh, he, drinks, yeah, he drinks the same water with the animal I think it's yeah that's the question. Yeah, and that, then pomo nutritional value of pomo. Yes, actually pomo does not have any nu- much nutritional value however it's um it's a habit that we have. It's a delicacy for some people. So um, we, we would not say do not eat pomo, but mm. what we would like to say is make sure that it is processed carefully. Mm. And um, again, to emphasize, don't, eat, don't process pomo from, um, skin from an animal that has been sick or has died. That is a no-no. You don't even open the animal, you bury it. Bury it, yeah. Right. So that's the the idea about Pomo. The reason why um, health professionals say we shouldn't eat it is, one, it has no nutritional value. Mm. Two, when you're processing it, you could actually have... Um, if it's, yes, a health hazard if, um, if um, the animal has anthrax. Mm. So best to just leave it. Okay. Right. Um, so the the issue about uh, water to drink in the in in forest yeah. in the forest when you do not have a choice um, it's unfortunate but that that is um, a serious hazard um, if you know you are going to go to the forest carry some portable water with you and I try as much as possible not to drink mm. from the same watering hole as animals because not just anthrax, you could open yourself to so many things. Um, flukes, a liver fluke that could go and damage the, um, the liver and so many other organisms that could be um, picked up. Um, with, with He was asking about whether we, we um, create awareness. Yeah. And, yes, we do. One of the mandates of uh, NVRI actually is extension services. So along with the headquarters here in Vom, we have 23 other outstation laboratories around the country. And together we have awareness programs. Um, we have radio programs in Hausa, Yoruba, and Igbo. And they are usually broadcast in those um, zones. Mm. Um, secondly, we, we do have training. We have um, a, a training that's close to my heart co- called the Community Animal Health Worker Training. And what we do is we pick young people from the communities and train them as animal health workers so that they are the first line of um, response. Yes, of response and dis- disease detection. What we do after training them to recognize um, basic um, diseases. We also kit them with something with which they can start. And then they serve as de- disease detectors. If they notice anything that is out of the ordinary, so many um, animals are dying or so many animals are getting sick, they give us a call. So, and that has worked for us for the last um, 
seven or eight years, and we have rolled it around the country, and we are getting support from partners to be able to continue to provide that um, service. We also have open open house where we invite farmers. Um, sometimes we also go to um, livestock markets. We go to Kara, we go to the pig markets, for example, in Kafanchan. Mm -hmm. We go um, to poultry farmers where you have live bird markets and we educate them on how to raise their animals in a hygienic manner. And when they bring it to the livestock market, how they should keep it healthy until the animal is sold or slaughtered. Okay. Uh, contact information, <clears throat> like uh, phone numbers to contact, because I know that a lot of farmers, you know, are hearing this and they would love to uh, contact. But uh, while you are at that, let's uh, take this phone call. Hello. Good evening. Hello, this is Bonsat and your guest. It's Radio Mama. I do not call in from Russia. I don't tune in down. Very interesting topic about anthrax. Thank you. What yeah, I want yeah. to find out from the doctor there is some of the remedies you're talking about, or I mean, uh, it's mainly for people who are wearing these animals and how they shouldn't do this and that. But you know, Nigerians can be very funny. Some people want to um, uh, cut corners. As when somebody slaughters an animal that has anthrax. Is there any difference? Like I and I go and I see that animal. Will I know that it has anthrax? When I have nothing to do, I'm not the one wearing and all that, you know. So is there any difference? Because for me and my household, I decided that we are keeping off anything that has to do with beef for now. Because Nigerians, you know, even the abattoir they are talking about, inspect the meat, they look the other way. You don't trust them, you know. A lot of things happen in Nigeria, you know. That's it. So for me, I think the safest thing is to keep off that beef for now. Let's watch how it goes. That's for me, people can decide what they like. Because I know that there's no way one would know that meat, except if there's a way one would know, notice that it has anthrax. When you, it, was already, it has been sorted and it's for sale, and you look at it, if there's something one will see and know, please let us know. But for me, I'm off it. Let's not give an idea, I shall be well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Well, okay, uh, doctor, please, the contact information and like what she said, that if you slaughter, how will you know if you go to meat market to know an animal that has been infected? Okay, so uh, let me just quickly answer. A, a typical anthrax case is easy um, to recognize, particularly with butchers. The first thing, like I mentioned, is the blood does not clot. You know, when you slaughter an animal, even when the blood flows in, on the soil, after a while it clots, yes. it becomes thick. thick. In the case of an animal that has died of anthrax, if you, if you slaughter it, the, the blood will not clot. Now, if you get to the point of having opened the animal, there's something called the spleen. The spleen becomes very black. And you can actually use your hand to just break it. Spleen is mad at you. No, okay. it's safer. Okay. In fact, that is why the disease is called safer in Hausa. Okay, safe. It affects the spleen, spleen first and foremost because the, the spleen acts as a filter okay. of blood. So when the blood goes into the, the, um, the, the spleen, it stays there. Okay? And remember I said the organism circulates in the body through blood. So... The first sign is that you have slaughtered this animal. The blood is flowing on the ground, but it is not clotting. It's like water. Then the second one is if you go to the point of opening, you have already opened the animal. That safer is black. 
the rest of the blood in the in the animal is also very dark and it is not clotting the butchers themselves will tell you once they see that an animal the the the, um, the blood is not clotting their mind begins to work that something is wrong with that animal and if it is an animal that has not died per acutely has had the the infection for some time the 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 meat is also dark so why would you buy a meat that is dark in the market for us women when you go even when meat is not fresh it's easy for you to detect and then finally the the, the meat begins to smell if meat is smelling it is putrefying it is decaying so the the thing to do is to make sure that you don't even open the, an animal where the blood is coming from the nose from the ear from the mouth from the anus and it is not clotting the second advice that we would like to give um, um, those of us who go to the market to buy meat is to make sure that you buy meat in the abattoir make sure that you buy meat that has been slaughtered in a designated either slaughter slab or an abattoir. Because what it means is that a veterinarian has done both an anti-mortem check on that animal the night before it is slaughtered and has also done a check on that animal once it is slaughtered. So anytime you hear that butchers are not allowing the vet doctor to to inspect their animals, then it is a no-no. The, the Animal Diseases Act insists it is a law and you can actually enforce it. If a veterinarian goes to, to inspect an animal that is meant for slaughter, public slaughter, it must be inspected anti-mortem, that is before it is slaughtered, and then the meat has to be inspected after it is slaughtered. So when we try to buy meat on the roadside because we want to buy a cheaper cut of meat or the kilo is, is a bit better, we are opening ourselves to all kinds of danger. So it is always good to make sure that you buy meat that has been um, inspected by the designated um, animal health um, official and passed for, for human consumption. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mariam, the Executive Director of the National Veterinary Research Institute. I think that this is a very, very clear uh, and helpful explanation uh, so that people protect themselves. Here's the number in case you want to reach out to NVRI VOM and report any case of any disease. The number to call is 090 Seven seven six four. Maybe Gilbert will call the number again. All right, there you have it. Zero seven zero five 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 seven eight eight seven six or zero nine zero five eight seven 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 six four. Those are the phone numbers. Yeah, there you have it. Thank you very much, Dr. Mariam. Uh, thank you, thank you. Well, uh, this is the much we take, dear listener. The news will come your way top of the hour, uh, 6 o'clock. Do have a very good evening. Bye now.
Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast.